I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the GAR podcast. I had the opportunity to interview strength and conditioning coach Brian Keane and I just couldn't turn it down because it's championship season at the moment and whether you're a player from junior reserve level all the way to inter-county level or you're a coach or you're just a fan who's really into the sort of preparation, high performance side of things, then there's going to be something in this podcast for you as we talk about how best to prepare for championship season, whether that's in the gym, your recovery or your nutrition. Hope you enjoy Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. How's it going? Lee, thank you so much for having me on. Really looking forward to chatting. Yeah, so am I. So am I. I just thought we would do this sort of bonus episode because, well, a lot of people are going to miss my voice. I know that. Um, But more importantly, it's championship season and a lot of our listeners are, uh, they're footballers, they're hurlers, they're camogie players, they're maybe coaches, or they're just gym nuts and they're interested in this kind of thing and high performance in general. So you're the perfect person to have on for championship fever which is what we're in at the minute um but you don't know point in hearing from me i want you to sort of introduce yourself and that you can tell people where they should be listening to you so all your credentials you know don't hold back just fully brag oh, i appreciate that lee so yeah uh, my name is brian keen brian keen fitness online on all my platforms i'm a certified strength and conditioning coach and sports nutritionist who's been specializing in working with ga players for the last Oh, we're coming on eight years now at this point. Um, I tend to cover a very holistic approach with my players when it comes to working with them either preseason, offseason, or in the case now, peaking for championship, which is all about optimal performance and taking different approaches based on their goals. I also have a little bit of a body composition element that I work with my players. The kind of thinking that if you feel like you look good, you'll perform better. So getting body fat down, building muscle alongside getting stronger, fitter, leaner, faster. So over the past few years, I specialize in working with players. Lee, you, I have you on my GA Lean Body program at the minute, which is awesome. Um, but historically, I've worked with teams uh, between club teams, inter-county teams, inter-county players. That's kind of my background. Um, and I was very much down just the pure performance side. So strength and conditioning and the sports nutrition. So covering both sides. So I'm certified on both 
And it's kind of given me a nice ledge with my players because sometimes when you look at a strength and conditioning program with the absence of nutrition, you're not fueling enough for that strength and conditioning program and vice versa. You can be having the best carbohydrates and the best macro splits and the best food choices and recipes. But if you're not doing the associated gym work, you're not going to get the transfer in terms of performance over on the pitch. And my goal isn't skill acquisition to help you kick with your weak foot or puck with your weak side. There's other coaches who are better with that. My job is to get you physically primed so that you're feeling the fittest you've ever felt, the strongest you've ever felt, potentially the leanest you've ever felt if you're trying to get your body composition changed and keep your gas tank fueled with all the foods that you need so that you can optimize your performance, whether that's football, hurling, ladies football, camogie, junior, intermediate, senior, or inter-county and all the way down between age groups from 17 upwards to people in their 40s that I've worked with. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing is that it's for everybody. Like if you're listening to this and you're playing at literally any level, there, there should be something in, in this for you. And as as we're talking right now, we're sort of in the middle of championship season. I said championship fever earlier on, but like I suppose it depends where you're from. I know Tyrone, uh, they haven't even started their championship yet, but the Wexford Herders have theirs done and dusted. But, you know, we're, we're in the midst of it with everybody and there'll be something here for, for I think, for everybody anyway. Now, we're going to break this podcast story into three parts. Uh, we're going to talk about the gym work that you should be doing around championship season, nutrition and recovery. Now, we'll start with the gym work because that's the fun stuff. You know, people will put the protein and the vegetables to the side for a second and we'll talk about biceps and triceps. But no, <laughs> more importantly, more about performance and uh, what you should be doing in the gym coming to a championship. So let even just use me as an example. I know it doesn't look it, but I go to the gym two or three times a week. Uh, I have been all of this season pretty much. Um coming around the corner to championship, say, what should I be changing in my gym routine? You know, what should I be doing more of, less of? Is there anything I should avoid completely? And how would I sort of timetable that with matches and things? So it's a great question and a bit of a multifaceted one, as you mentioned there, Lee. And for those listening, he's a specimen. He undersells himself. He he's, he's on my program now and he's he already has that foundation built. So I'd love to be able to claim his progress, but he's got this from putting in the hours himself. But everything when it comes to championship prep, I always tell my players to think about the focal point. So everything now is geared towards performance in games. Everything you do with your training is down to how do I make sure that I'm going to perform best on a Saturday, on a Sunday, or whatever day that championship game falls. And a lot of the most common mistakes when it comes to the training side is funnily you mentioned there about the split. So what I normally have my players do, and I've been a big proponent of this for years, is I work off a five-day split for the majority of my players. And I recommend anyone designing their own gym program can do this exact same split. So if you're on the pitch twice a week and you have a game at the weekend, assuming you're not a dual player or you're not playing with multiple teams, that means you might have a training session on Tuesday and Thursday and a game on Saturday or Sunday. So I would have two more associated gym workouts in the week alongside that. Where it can be tricky to recommend at this stage is you don't want to add in too much too soon that's new. Generally, you use your off-season to build up your base for your preseason, and then your preseason is just building what you're going to be maintaining during the season. So what I tell players, and again, I'm going to give actually valuable answer that people can apply straight away if they haven't been doing much or how to adjust their own current gym routine, but just to give a wide-angle view, if you picture your preseason like pushing a big tire up a hill, Coming into the middle of a season, you're not pushing the tire up the hill. You're just holding it at the top. And that's what your gym program is like. You're designing a preseason program that's what's called an adaption phase. You're, in a, you're adapting your body to working under 
an increased load or doing something different. So, you know, you mentioned your bicep curls there earlier and like they're all fine and they're great mirror muscles, but they're not great strength and conditioning or performance muscles. Well, again, they might serve you on a Saturday night in the club, but that's, so that's performance in one aspect, but not necessarily on the pitch. But what you want to look at your training is all the hard work gets done in the preseason and you're just optimizing and maintaining in the middle of the season. So if you've been doing a preseason program with your club or you've been doing your own preseason program at this stage in championship, you're just maintaining that you're going to go in and do very similar movements under similar load, maybe 30% decrease on heavy lifts. If you're still doing squats and trap bar deadlifts and things along those lines, because you don't want to fatigue or overdo it. So your risk of injury can go up. This is a very, what, what players fail to consider sometimes. And we touched on this, I think before in an article, Lee, I think it was around COVID time. We were chatting about it was because players can go do too much too soon. You have to realize that you have all this stress coming into championship and training on top of that is another stressor. A gym on top of that is another stressor. So your risk of injury, and it's not a coincidence that players get injured in championship more frequently than even league games. If you see the data and the split, I can't remember the exact percentage, but the percentage of injuries during championship is higher than league, partly down to the time of the year when you're feeling fresher, but also because of the cumulative stress of worrying about championship, worried about your place, worrying about performance, all of that. And you need to keep that in mind with your gym program. So that's why I say players go in and do your normal routine in the gym that you've been doing for the past few months during preseason, but do it at about 70% of your maximum so that you're not maxing out and going balls to the wall and potentially increasing your risk of injury. So the game comes around on Saturday or Sunday and your hamstring goes or your quad goes or you know something that's muscular or repetitive strain injury goes. I'm not talking about contact injuries, they're freak accidents that can happen, but something like a groin strain or a hamstring strain is very controllable within a, the way you approach the week. So first thing I would say is a five-day split is how I'd approach it. Second thing is I wouldn't change up anything too drastically too soon. So you don't go changing up or adding in a new routine straight away. And the third thing is go about 70% of what you were doing so that you can actually get the benefits. There's a lot of research around what are called primer sessions where you're actually going into the gym and doing workouts as opposed to resting the day before a game, just going in at 60, 70%, getting your body used to that movement patterns, maybe some glute work or some band activated work. And then you'll find that there's an increase in performance the next day on a Saturday or Sunday. And just being consistent with those three things during this year will yield a lot of positive performance benefits. Mm -hmm. And you talked there about, about a five-day split. So two training sessions, a match, and then two gym sessions in between. So what would you say to the person that's maybe doing what's the word, like a bro split, you know, that they, they've got their back day, their chest day there, and they're trying to get all of these, hit all them uh, notes whilst being in, in on the pitch and, and trying to perform. It's just, is that a no-go then? No, I wouldn't say it's a no-go. I think if that's what you've been doing, I wouldn't, I'd be hesitant to change it now. So if you've been following a bro split, and this is so funny, Lee, because part of the reason I created that GA Lean Body program that you're on is because I was the ultimate bro. Like I was the player who would go in and was following back and biceps, chest and triceps, leg day shoulders. And I kept getting injured. And I would play games and I'd get injured. And I'd play another game and I'd get injured. And I never, until I qualified in strength and conditioning and started to understand basic biomechanics, I didn't understand that it was actually my training that was increasing my risk of injury because I was doing one plane of motion. I was doing hypertrophy, bodybuilding style rep ranges and, and workouts. And that was having a very negative impact on my performance. So when I created that GA Lean Body Program, I kept all those elements of bodybuilding, but I added in strength and conditioning. I added in metabolic conditioning alongside it so that you kind of got the best. The, the way I always framed that was the best of all worlds, that you can build muscle, lose body fat, and get stronger, fitter, and faster. 
I was the avatar. Like I created the program for the person who couldn't get it. So I remember I played underage county with Galway. And I remember anytime I'd ask the strength and conditioning coaches, well, how do I uh, build a bit of muscle or how do I get a six pack? They'd look at me and be like, you don't need any of that. Mirror muscle, you don't need that. And I could ask a bodybuilder in the gym. And I remember asking personal trainers in the gym in Galway City at the time, you know, I know how to, you can give me what I need to do to build muscle, but like, how do I get fitter and stronger? And like, how is this going to impact my performance on the pitch? And they're like, oh, I have no idea. So I literally just took the best of both worlds and combine them together that's what i did it's how it got created they always say build a business around the pain point that you have and that was mm-hmm. literally me and when it comes then to that bro split if you've been doing that it's going to be fine and well and good i wouldn't change it up drastically but i would do a rotation so there's there's two approaches you could take here you could split your body up into an upper lower or multiple body parts again keeping that 70 percent, like i said so instead of doing your back and biceps, you're actually doing all upper body one day, all lower body another day at 70%. That means you're into the week, you've hit all your major muscle groups, your back, your chest, your shoulders, your lower bodies, your glutes, your hamstrings, your legs, etc. The other way you could do that is a rotation. So it means that you do chest and triceps this week, back and biceps this week, legs next week, shoulders the week after, and then it goes back to chest and triceps, back to back and biceps, and then you rotate that until you get to your off season. So there's a couple of ways to approach it. And that's will cause what I would say damage limitation um, and reduces risk of injury, reduces the risk of poor performance because you don't want to stop doing anything now. That's probably one of the worst things you can do. So I would keep your normal routine and then decide, am I going to split it into an upper lower or am I going to do a rotation? Um, And that can be a, a good approach for someone in that situation. Yeah, uh, it's it's good that you said that uh, stopping altogether sort of the worst thing you can do because that was my next question sort of for the opposite maybe person the person who uh, goes to the gym and has been doing it throughout the season uh, but championships coming along they're feeling a bit tight in the hamstrings they're a little bit worried you know the game I'm just going to lay off that stuff and try to get myself through you know football or hurling training and survive that you know I can't be risking myself getting hurt or injured uh, in the gym. What, what would you say to, to a person that comes to you with, with them sort of complaints? It's interesting because something that I try and educate myself on, because this isn't my area, just when I'm talking injury prevention, I can talk that because that's strength and conditioning. Actual injury rehabilitation, you're talking in the realm of a physiotherapist. So anybody in that area, a good physio is worth their weight in goals. Now, they're few and far between. Not every physio is created equal, but if you find a good one, they're absolutely incredible. I've got the same physios, two of them in Galway, that I recommend everybody go to when they ask me because they're worth their weight in gold, as I mentioned. One of the things that sounds very counterintuitive here is when you're feeling a niggle or a strain, the temptation is to take a rest or to back off. And in some cases, that works well, especially if you're actually injured. If you physically tear something, you have to back off. That's literally your body's like, nope, we're done. You've strained. I've got a you know bad tear on my quad. Can't do anything. And the signal of that is you try and run and it's like, oh, Jesus, it's searing pain. A niggle and a strain is different. When you have a niggle and a strain, you can actually and probably should consider training through that with a what's effectively some form of prehabilitation slash rehabilitation program. So somebody that has a hamstring strain in a lot of cases, and Lee, you might be able to speak to this from personal experience, because this is very common with GA players because a hamstring is one of the first muscle groups that goes in a lot of cases. It comes from a lack of glute activation or weak glutes. Everyone that's ever torn their hamstring is sick of me and everybody else saying this because they're like, activate your glutes, fire your glutes, work your glutes, because that's why your hamstring is going. 
And, but that's the truth in a lot of cases. So that means that you're actually going into the gym and doing banded crab walks or doing glute bridges with a band or even a lightweight or even a bodyweight isometric. What that is actually doing is it's taking some of that strain and load off your hamstring. So if you picture it's your kinetic chain, so picture your hamstring. I always tell my players, think of it like a tug of war. If you've got five or six people in a tug of war pulling from one side, if one person says, you know what, I'm not going to bother pulling Everybody else has to work harder. That's how your kinetic chain works with your body. If your hamstring and your glutes are both pulling and your glutes are not activated or switched on, all that load is going through your hamstring. And that's why it's tearing. And that's why it's niggling and straining. So actually going in and doing direct glute work can start to switch that muscle on. It's like loading up a gun. A gun without any bullets isn't worth anything to you, but it's like loading up your gun. So you're going in and your glutes are activating, they're firing. It's why you see players activating glutes beforehand. I would say eight out of 10 of those players some are doing it just because they've been told they should. Others are doing it because they have a history of an injury normally in the hamstring. And what that's doing is it's setting their body up and saying to the person who fell down during tug of war, it's like, hey, wake up. We need you to pull as well. So I would say when you have that niggling strain, obviously it's going to be dependent on where that strain is, but actually going in and working around it can actually have a positive benefit as opposed to a negative one. Anila, I think a really common question, I think just coming up the championship is that, and I think I think I know your answer is probably going to be it's it's tailored to the person. But uh, by and large, rule of thumb, uh, when should your last gym session be before championship match? Do you know, two days before, even the day before, if you're doing loads of stretching, it all depends. It's a great question, Lee, because I actually, for historically for years, would have said it was it depends. But the more players I work with, and the more research I look into you should actually do a primer session the day before. The majority of players actually should train the day before. And this is something that I've always said, look, it depends. And and I I still say that to a degree. You have to experiment with this. It's not a one-size-fits-all because it depends on what your training program is like, what your training load is like, what phase of training you're in. But generally, players will fall on two sides of the coin. One will find that a complete rest day the day before is what they need and just not doing anything. And this is especially true for those who work, say, high-stress jobs. If you're working in a really busy day job where there's stress and there's stuff going on left, right, and center, the last thing you want to do after a busy week, Monday to Friday, is do a primer session on a Saturday for a game on Sunday. You're just doing adding more stress to your body that it probably doesn't need. But for most players... And hopefully the majority of people, 80% of people listening, don't have that happen every week before a championship game. So for those people, they might want to look like at a primer session, which just means that they're going into the gym on a Saturday, potentially for a Sunday game for 20 minutes, half an hour, and they're just on the bike. Or they're doing a little bit of banded glute work, as I mentioned. Or they're doing a little bit of adductor work or some banded um, uh, pulls with a band. Like nothing crazy, just enough that it's switching everything on ahead of the next day. Now, you, depending on the phase of research, this is more so with NFL players, so I can't speak to it for GA. Some will say that you do light versions of like power cleans and, and, and those styles of lifts. You obviously don't do them if they're not in your original program. But if they're in your program, you can go in and do lighter versions of those and they switch everything on a lot faster. But 
I wouldn't overcomplicate that. I think going in now, 15 minutes on the bike or 10 minutes on the bike and some blood flow into your legs, a little bit of banded adductor work for your groin and switching that on, a little bit of glute work, a little bit of hamstring work. And if you want to do a couple of you know curls for the girls just to feel like you're going to fill out your shirt the next day, that's fine too. And then rock up on the pitch on a Sunday and you'll probably perform at your best assuming you get everything with your carb load and your overall recovery right and you'll be able to perform at the optimal level. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that'll lead us on nicely to nutrition. And you mentioned the key word there, or key phrase, sorry, uh, is carb load, because I've just mentioned nutrition and some people may be tuning out already because they're thinking it means diet, eating healthy. That means chicken, broccoli, eating less, not the foods you enjoy. When in some ways the, the opposite is the true. Uh, you need to eat as much as you can uh, before games because food is energy and energy is what's needed, you know. So that just that carb load for, you know, talking to five-year-olds, simpletons, what, what is it? Carb load for anyone that doesn't understand is like if you're taking your car on a long journey and you're going from Galway to Dublin or Cork to Belfast, you want to fill up your tank of gas. You want to fill up your petrol, fill up your diesel. That's what your carb load before a game is like. It's filling up your energy stores so that you can perform and you can make the entire journey. And ideally, you're making it without worrying about stopping on the way. That's that's this in its most simplest terms that we can go a little bit more into that if you want, but in its most simplest terms, a carb load an effective carb load is just filling up your glycogen stores, filling up your fuel stores so that you can perform at your best and also not hit the wall. What happens to a lot of players is 10 minutes from time, 15 minutes from the game, their legs go or their head goes, or they just feel tired and fatigued. That's all controllable for the most part through your nutrition, especially if you get your carb load, right? Yeah. Cause I've heard a phrase, um, it may have been in one of your podcasts, actually. I'm not, I can't remember. I'm beginning to think it's actually a really old one, but it was uh, if you're in the middle of a match and your lungs are done and you can't, you're struggling to breathe or whatever. That's that's your fitness. But if your legs are gone and you just can't seem to get them moving, that's your nutrition. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, that's the the general rule of thumb is depending on where it goes in the body. So if it's aerobic and your lungs are gone, I always tell people it's your aerobic fitness you need to do. So your sprints, etc. If it's your legs that are gone, it's your nutrition. And sometimes then, if it's your head, I, I look at people's sleep and things along those lines where they're like, I just can't concentrate. That can also be food related, but in a lot of cases, it's sleep related um, and sometimes electrolyte or stimulant related. But yeah, that was from my podcast. That was something that connected with a lot of players because people confuse the two and they think, oh, I'm not fit. And in a lot of cases, some of my players were really fit. They just weren't doing their carb load correctly. And once we fixed that, their performance went to the next level. Yeah, I, I had interviewed a few players, Sam Mulroy and uh, Potty Hamsey. Um, both of them were telling me that when they were doing their carb load, that it's, it's actually quite a hard thing. I know because it, it sounds great. You know, you eat as much as you can the day before a match. That sounds unbelievable. But they were saying that like you ate so much that you almost felt sick. And then their their nutritionists in the team were like, no, you got to eat more, even more still. And they're like, my God, I'm going to feel so bloated and horrible. But then by the next morning, you're feeling a lot better and stuff. So is, is that obviously what you're eating is important. That doesn't mean pick up on McDonald's, but like, <laughs> you know, just some examples of what's good foods for uh, carb load. It's interesting because I had um, Robbie Hinshaw, who plays rugby for Ireland on my podcast a while back. And he told me the same thing. He's like, my old carb loads when I was younger, I used to just eat till I was sick. And it's funny how many GA players still do that to this day. And you can approach it that way. When I think of carb loads and the foods, you generally want to go complex carbohydrates, just kind of keeping it really simple and boring initially. Potatoes are great here. Porridge is great. Quinoa, brown rice, whole grain bread, things along those lines work really, really well. So the two approaches people tend to take is one that you mentioned, Lee, where they just stuff their mouth with as much food as possible. And then to be fair, 
GA players and one of the reasons I love working with GA players more so than any other audience or any other style of um, athlete is GA players normally do what you tell them. We're unbelievable at that. We are like, actually, execution isn't the problem. Just give me the education on what I need to do. And players historically, as you mentioned, will just stuff their mouth with carbohydrates the day before and then they can wake up the next day and in some cases they feel really good and in some cases they do feel bloated and they feel sluggish and it actually has a, a, a counterintuitive impact in terms of their digestion and if you're feeling if you think about digestion when you're an athlete and you're playing a game you need the blood flow in your muscles you don't need it in your gut you don't need it in your stomach that's literally the reason why you don't eat whole foods at half time for the most part, or you don't stuff yourself at half time. You need that digestion going to your muscles or your that blood flow going to your muscles, not to your digestion. And I normally say for players to understand that the majority of players need about 400 grams of carbohydrates. Now that's a general rule of thumb. Obviously, if you're six foot four, 120 kilos versus, you know, a five foot eight little hobbit like me, you don't need as many carbohydrates if you're, if you're smaller. But that keeping it simple is just look at your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and make sure there's a good carb source in that. Porridge for breakfast, maybe some brown or basmati rice for lunch, and some potatoes for dinner. And then if you really want to step it up to another level, go with fruit and snacks in between. So you're getting your simple sugars and stuff there as well. If you get that right, it means the next day you're just topping that up. And this is why, and part of the reason why you don't want to go too hard in your workout the day before. And I remember actually having this conversation with a coach. I went into a team and I won't mention the team now, but I had a little bit of a battle with the coach. Um, I was a strength and conditioning and sports nutritionist. He was the old school manager, very old school manager. And I was setting up the carb load for the players for the championship the next day. And he was like, right, we're going to smash these guys at training tonight. I was like, you've got championship tomorrow tomorrow it's friday you're playing tomorrow evening i was like not only are you going to destroy them in terms of physical recovery i was like it's going to render their carb load pointless because they're not going to have the stores ready for tomorrow and he came back to me after the game they got hammered by like 10 points and i was like look i was like that was controllable i was like you should that shouldn't have happened and he, he apologized with blows on the friday night i was like you can't do this to them like it was such a funny moment and then the next day he was like actually i think i went a bit extreme the day before I was like he did and again, I'm not saying that everything should be sports science based. Sometimes we can go too far with the sports science. You have to do a little bit of intu intuition as well. But with a carb load, you can overcomplicate it as well. But if you stick with those basics and you wake up the next morning and you've got a game at two o'clock, you might have another bowl of porridge in the morning, maybe some whey protein or eggs with it. And you might have some a banana or an apple before the game. 90 minutes before the game. And then you might have a caffeine tablet or some caffeine source right before and an electrolyte drink at halftime if you sweat a lot or it's very hot or at a time of the year where you're sweating a lot. And then that's basically your nutrition covered from those 24 hours before right up until game day. Well, I was just about to ask you because I think people who are listening to this that really just, we're just that generation, isn't it? We want the instantaneous answers. We want to know what's the perfect day or meal to eat on match day. And you'll give us like, you'll say peanuts and bananas and then everyone could eat that and we'll all be fantastic. Um, but you, you did just give us an example of it. It's obviously a little bit different, but basically it's uh, it's nearly a mute point if you hadn't done your carb load the day before. Yeah, 100%. Like one of the most frequently asked questions I guess, Lee, is exactly as you said there, is what do I eat the day before a game? Or what do I eat, sorry, before a game? And the answer is that's not the right question. The right question is what should I eat the day before a game? And you can have a great pre-workout meal and that 100% will help. 
And something like that might be a simple to digest or easy to digest protein source and a complex carbohydrate. So that's why chicken and sweet potatoes in there, porridge and eggs are in there. Just very easy to put together meals before a game. But really, it's the 24 hours before your game that's important. So you can have the best pre-workout meal. But if you think of it like a tank of gas, it's, it might get you over the initial phase, but it's not going to get you towards the end. And then in those last 15, 20 minutes, when you actually really needed to think about your carb load the day before, you're going to get caught out, especially with the players who have done it right. Like that's the worst thing about football and hurling and ladies football and GA is it's if the player beside you that's marking you or your marking has done the right things, they're already at a competitive advantage. And it's something that's so controllable for players that if you just dial in your nutrition the day before, and then you focus a little bit on your eating day or your, your actual match day meals, you're going to have a huge competitive advantage over those who aren't. Okay, so that's what you eat, obviously, before the game. But then after the game is, is arguably equally as important. And this will tie in uh, to what's our, our next topic is, is recovery. So the day or straight after a match, what's the go-to? And then the day after that, what should we be looking to, to consume? Yeah, that's a great question. When it comes to post-match recovery or post-workout recovery, general rule of thumb is you want an easily to digest protein source directly after this is where your protein supplements come in what they do is there's there's such a short absorption time compared to say a whole food so if you drink something like a whey protein shake directly after training or after a game you're going to flush your body with those amino acids to kickstart that repair process protein synthesis etc whereas if you sat and ate a piece of chicken it needs to be digested it could take two three hours and it just slows down the recovery process so that's why you see a lot of players drinking whey protein drinks or drinking protein drinks directly after training you also want to then maybe have a simple sugar if you're really trying to maximize the speed of recovery so that's where your leucozade sport or adding some dextrose to that whey protein can come in quite well and then an hour after or within that 90 minute window you want to have a good complex carbohydrate again and a good easily to digest protein source so very similar to your pre-workout or pre-game or pre-training meal you're going to replicate it 90 minutes after so you know some potatoes and some turkey some sweet potatoes and some chicken some uh, uh, porridge and eggs again work well a lot of crossover here when it comes to the foods keeping it nice and simple is kind of the key and um, what i would say it's very easy to prepare your post-workout. You just throw a scoop of protein or two scoops of protein into a shake. Um, you can throw some oats in on top of it if you want. You can throw in some dextrose on top of it, or you can have your bottle of Lucozade Sport or a dextrose drink, and that will cover you straight after. Again, you want to wait for your lactic acid to clear. This is something that we've all done it unbeknownst to ourselves where we tried to drink a shake or lucozade or a sports drink straight away after sprint sessions and training and then we spew it all back up again so you want to wait for that lactic acid to clear so as soon as you come in from a game and you've got dressed you've had your shower that's when that process starts it's not when you get back to the dressing room you still have that lactic acid you have to wait for that to clear and then you have your post-workout nutrition and then you have your post-workout meal and then you just eat similarly from that point onwards so if you think of the analogy from earlier like filling up your gas tank you're basically doing the reverse of that now you try to fill it up before the game you think about depleting it during the game so your gas tank is now near empty again and you're going to try and refuel it up again so something that doesn't get talked about a lot is like a a, a post-carb recovery which is basically the load in reverse so if you think about it like uh you're looking to fuel the day before you're looking to just 
play the game and perform at your best during, and then you're looking to just top up that stores again for the next 24 hours after, and then the rest of the week will be as normal, depending on whatever nutritional plan you've set for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I just want you to actually, maybe you could bust a myth for me, sort of, because I think anyone listening to this and they maybe play it like even, I'd say, intermediate senior level in any code. I'd say the majority of them are having a protein shake after their training sessions and their matches and stuff. Um, but even uh, at junior level, and I think this is weird because like I, I I play at a low level at the minute, um, and it's it's very enjoyable and stuff. But like sometimes I find that like teammates and stuff because they know you know it's like a lower level. It's like well, what are you doing with protein shakes and what are you doing with resistance bands? You're taking it so seriously, and it's like no, I wanna I wanna be able to walk tomorrow, which you know yeah. I have to go to work. <laughs> like running, still running, regardless of whatever level you're playing at. Um, and then I also coached. Uh, uh, a ladies team for several years and talking to them individually about like their diets and things post-match pre-match and that one girl saying she didn't want to take protein shakes because her affair was that you know, she's like no no I, I want to lose weight and I was like so yeah it's okay <laughs> you know there's nothing it's not a weight gainer you're taking it's just a protein shake it's it's almost it's barely even a supplement now you know it's like drinking a chicken breast uh, I don't know if maybe you could describe it better yeah no I, I think that's a I wouldn't fancy drinking a chicken breast, but it's probably yeah. the best comparison you can give. Like I always think of whey protein and protein drinks closer to food. When I think of supplements, I'm thinking creatine, caffeine, beta alanine, amino acids. They're supplements. Whey protein is so close to food, like it's derived from milk. It's just a byproduct of a milk product for whey protein. So if you think of it like food, that's a better way to look at it. So I'm going to break down each thing you said there just to give a bit of context. When you play at that level, and it's funny because I play junior as well, more so because like I like the crack like I'm 35 now gonna be 36 in a couple of months and like it's the crack now at this stage and I do all of those things where you know I I make sure my glutes are activated beforehand I'm using my bands I'm doing my recovery but that's because I want to be able to train the next day or walk the next day in some cases so regardless of whether you're breaking on to a senior team or trying to burst into an inter-county panel or you're you know in your late 20s or late 30s playing junior you're still going to do a very similar approach if you're trying to make sure that you're either optimizing performance and recovery or just making sure you're able to walk the next day. So I think it's important to know that those things work irrespective of your level, whether you're junior, intermediate or senior. They're just best practices that you can apply. And if someone takes the piss out of you, that's cool as well. Just have a good comeback for them. There's no shortage of them in the dressing room. So just make sure everybody's got their own dirt stuff. They're making fun of you for having your protein shake or using your bands. There's definitely something you can come back with them on. So just be ready for it and have it armed. Women then and females, and this is something that I'm very interested in personally, particularly over the last few years, my daughter's eight. So I spent a lot of time in the last couple of years looking into female research and that misconception that weight protein or having a protein shake will make them bigger or gain weight. Massive misconception in both genders. Men have this too. They're like, oh, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to get big. That's not what happens with protein. To get big, you need to be in a massive excess of calories, meaning that you're in a calorie surplus. You're eating a lot of food with a lot of calories and you need to either be not active or you need to be quite low activity, or you're doing things like heavy lifts in the gym where you're actually not really getting into any metabolic conditioning. So your heart rate's actually not getting that high. You're just going in and lifting up a weight and putting it back down and resting for five minutes. That's how you get bulky. What protein can do, it actually works in the reverse for a lot of players. Having protein after training kickstarts your recovery process. And that in in scientific jargon without going too much into it kickstarts what's called protein synthesis and what that basically does means it means your body goes into repair mode goes into recovery mode and in some cases goes into right we've had a hard session now we can build a bit of muscle here 
whether that's lower body muscle if it was a pitch session or upper body muscle if it was a gym session. And what that can do is it can increase your metabolic rate, which means you boost your metabolism. So you will burn more calories while you're resting. And that's actually a way and a recipe for getting leaner and losing body fat. So you'll see what a lot of female athletes at high levels are having those protein drinks directly after. And part of the reason that they look like lean machines is because they have lean muscle tissue. And that lean muscle tissue, with a lot of that muscle you carry in your body, means that you need to burn a lot of energy just to move it around. And you can actually get leaner and you can lose body fat and you can lose weight by increasing your metabolism, by building that lean muscle tissue. So all you're basically doing after training is giving your body what it's requesting or what it needs. Because if you go in and and do a really hard training session on the pitch or in the gym or play a game, you're tearing all these fibers down and your body is screaming for amino acids to repair afterwards. And all you're doing with a protein drink is giving it what it's screaming for. It's giving it back those amino acids so that it can kickstart that repair process. So that's where your protein, your carbohydrates, they're your two macronutrients, fat is the other one, but they're the two that are the most important for GA players for the most part, partly because that protein is what kickstarts that recovery, that carbohydrates, what kickstarts that recovery in terms of the glycogen so that you can perform better. So those two things together are the main things you need to consider when it comes to optimal post-workout nutrition whether that's directly after a game whether you're male whether you're female whether you're junior intermediate senior whether you're a footballer hurler ladies footballer camogie player it doesn't matter no absolutely and then we mentioned some of the good reasons or, or some of the uh, important reasons why recovery is so important like uh, just not being as sore the next day so then you can go about your job and your daily life and not be so restricted or if you want to train or you're maybe playing multiple sports dual sports and you want to be as fresh as you can get a good night's sleep and stuff you know it's 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 vital really like for people I know so, I, I'm the worst for this I can't see past today you know so like I don't, I don't worry about tomorrow until tomorrow comes and then, and then that's future Lee's problem and he usually hates me um, but so we'll talk about some of the other aspects of recovery because uh some people will think of the one percent so they'll be thinking like well i gotta get a massage gun i gotta get these resistance bands and all and we talked about the benefits of them you know i gotta spend money basically but really there's uh a lot more simple and, and bigger things that, that they should be focusing on 100 percent, 80 percent of your recovery comes down to your sleep and your nutrition Everything else outside of that then are marginal gains, whether that's foam rolling, stretching, ice baths, massage guns, banded work, even post-game day recovery sessions where you're moving. One of the things that people make a mistake on, similar to you, Lee, I remember I did went and played my first game last year after quite a considerable break. I've been doing a lot of ultra marathons in different races. And I woke up the next morning, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. And like, I'm fit, but pitch fitness and game fitness is different. You're twisting, you're turning. It's a different, completely different way to train your body. And I put up a video on my social media, Instagram particularly, a reel about my post-workout recovery session. And all the comments were, I didn't realize you should train when you're sore. And I was like, no, that's how you you get the blood flow going. I'm like, that's how you recover. So if you wake up the next day and you're feeling really sore, the worst thing you can do is sit on the couch all day. You actually want to fuel your body with good food and move it in some capacity. Now you're not going in and smashing a CrossFit workout, but going in on the cross trainer, doing a little bit of stretching, all of that speeds up the recovery. So when it comes to recovery, it's one of the easiest things to overcomplicate because it's the one that we automatically think there's a silver bullet to. And nutrition, we want a silver bullet, but we kind of know there isn't one. With gym, we want the silver bullet program, but we kind of know there isn't one. There's a few movements we should do that will be helpful. With recovery, 
we automatically think, okay, it's the ice bath or it's the magnesium gel or it's the massage gun. When the truth is those things help and I do all of those and I recommend them because I'm a big fan, but sleep and nutrition is going to be 80% of your recovery. So that's where you should be spending 80% of your attention. Mm-hmm. And then just so that sort of that trio of things that we talked about, you know, the, the gym work, it gets you uh, fit, then helps you maintain your fitness. And it, hopefully if you're doing it right, that keeps you injury free so you can stay on the pitch. Nutrition can help you fuel for your performance and then recover from your performance. And then recovery in terms of your sleep helps you feel better the next day so that you can attack the next day and do all the other things that you want to do and uh, continue training as best you can. And, and they sort of, the knock on effect, you know, it, it, then it comes full circle. And that, that's essentially the three, you know, because they're trying to keep it simple because we can get it really complicated, can't we? Mm. Oh, 100%. Like, I think as a takeaway, and I'm the curse of knowledge as a coach means you've so much context that you can go in a million different directions based on the person. But for training five days a week, optimizing and doing a bit of work to lead up to championship without overdoing it, nutrition foods you enjoy, good complex carbohydrates, potatoes, rice, porridge, quinoa, all great options, complete protein sources, chicken, fish, turkey, steak, healthy fats, avocado, almond butter, nut butters, olive oil, all really good options. And then try and get your eight to nine hours of sleep every day. That's that rinse and repeat. You're going to get great results. Absolutely. And I'm just going to ask one last question because it just came to me there and it's something that I do a lot now. And I always do this. I go completely off topic and ask a personal question that won't relate to anybody else. But if you notice this phenomenon, I call it that, of square bars before matches, is that maybe just up north? Is it just maybe the people I hang about with? But you know the marshmallow uh, Rice crispy square bars? Everyone's yeah. eating them before training and gym sessions. Or this is maybe just my circle. And I've got really into it. Like, it's just, oh, it's the perfect, like, pre-match meal or whatever. I don't know if you came across it. I was just wondering if it's it's global yet. <laughs> no, it, it hasn't quite made its way down south just yet. But I feel it's inevitable off the back of this podcast where people are like, oh, yeah. that sounds good. Like, it, it, these things kind of do trends. I remember Cocoa Pops was a big one down south a few years ago where players were all about Cocoa Pops. And I get it. Cocoa Pops are lovely. Same way as the Rice Krispie Marshmallows are lovely as well. But... It's kind of a case of like have them. They're, they're, they're small things that if they give you a little bit of a lift in the day, we're like, oh, actually, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to have it before I train. It's probably the best time to have it. Like you're going to burn through that like paper on a fire for the most part as an active GA player. But uh, yeah, it's probably not the most nutritionally dense food to have to fuel no. a session. <laughs> no, probably not. But hopefully they sponsor me now after this. And I get them <laughs> <on for free. laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. Don't just for everyone listening, uh, you know, don't fret. We're going to get Brian on again to talk about what we can do in the off season and how to maximize that then get him on again if he's willing uh, to talk pre-season and maybe uh, in season as well so we, 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 we've got you covered here in the GAR make sure to go and follow Brian Keane Brian if you want to just give us all of your tags again Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Lee. Yeah, mate, looking forward to chatting the off-season stuff as well. That's my, my favorite time of year just because it's where you can really geek out for strength and conditioning, sports nutrition, and you can experiment with things. But my handle is Brian Keen Fitness on everything. I'm on Instagram. It's where I'm most active. I'm also on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, and my GA podcast is probably a, a good listener um, or a good place to send listeners who want to educate themselves more on the nutrition. So just check out the Lean Body Podcast for GA players. Um, and I've got, it'll be 83 episodes by the end of this season on there. So there's there's quite a bit on there for people to dive into brilliant thanks again brett my pleasure thanks lee
Thanks again to Brian King for coming on to the podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to the GAR, and we'll be back very, very soon.